Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey guys, it's Tobin. Thanks for tuning in to the Fighters Fury podcast. Just want to let you guys know that I'm going to do a, a bonus segment uh, right after today's show going over to Sergey Kovalev, Andre Ward, because I never got a chance to do that with you guys. Uh, so I know it's old in the uh, the news cycle, and you know we only get three segments during the show. So I wanted to get into it a little bit before uh, before I send you into the week. Uh, because I had an amazing trip in Vegas. So uh, listen for that at the end of the podcast. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury, inside the heart of a champion, with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Good Sunday morning, everybody. Welcome on in. Another edition of Fighters Fury here on 7i The Ticket. Tobin here with you. Seaman Tommy Guns out this week. Got a lot to recap, a lot to dive into. As uh, busy, busy last eight days. As you know, last week we were in Las Vegas, so didn't exactly get to do uh, a full recap of Kovalev versus Ward. So we'll touch on that a little bit, but a lot of things happening this week. Last night, uh, a big night for Bellator as we had Bellator NYC for Madison Square Garden. Bellator's second dip into the pay-per-view pool as they stacked this card. They put a lot of legends on this card. Chael Sonnen, Vanderlei Silva, Matt Mitrion versus Fedor. And then you had three title fights and the much-anticipated debut of Aaron Pico. Not a lot of things going to plan, I would imagine, in the offices of San Jose as they would probably want uh, certain results going a certain way. But that is the sport of mixed martial arts. Things do not always go as planned, as expected. It, it, is, it is an unwavering, unforgiving beast. So that's just what it is for for uh, for this past card yesterday. 50 bucks on pay-per-view, plopped it down, uh, got home, sat on my couch, was ready to see what the whole production was. It had a big big event feel to it. You know, Bellator does the, the difference with UFC is they got the ring entrances, they got the Jumbotron. Uh, they had a really, really huge broadcast staff going on this one. They had a broadcast desk with, Mike Goldberg, Brendan Schaub. Um, I forgot who the other dude was, but he wasn't very good. And then they had Mauro Ronaldo, Jimmy Smith, their normal uh, their their normal analyst, but their new play by play guy, Mauro Ronaldo, who is uh, one of the best combat play by play guys there is. Does Showtime boxing, has done work in WWE, has done work for Pride, has done work for Elite XC, for Strike Force. So it was good to hear Mauro back. It was good to hear Mike Goldberg back on the prelims of it. The the, the event did have a a big feel to it. Um, but as far as the fights were concerned, you know, I I wasn't sitting on the edge of my seat and I don't think they had that real thriller, that real classic that I, I think will launch them into grander things this year. I think that was a little bit of an element missing to it that they really needed this card. And I think that all really got derailed with the loss of, uh, with, with the loss of Aaron Pico. I thought that was a huge, huge derailment of what this pay-per-view could have been. You know, because they did the Lorenz Larkin, Douglas Lima, and it was good for Douglas Lima to show that they can hang with a guy who's had a lot of success in the UFC, who's one of the best guys in the world. Uh, and it was a good showcase, but it wasn't a classic fight. You know, I think I think Rory McDonald spoke for a lot of fans where he says that was very underwhelming, and if either of those guys come with that to the cage against me, they're going to end up in the grave very grim when 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 Roy mcdonald says that because he's a serial killer like it's he's 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 an insane person but i do think that is his point was was well made that that was an underwhelming fight it wasn't a classic championship fight i thought phil davis versus ryan bader to lead into the pay-per-view you know the scorecards were kind of all over the place very awkward fight just was lacking in, in 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 a real momentum swing either way so ryan bader ended up getting the belt there. So one of the new UFC signings, he comes in, beats Phil Davis. He has two wins over Phil Davis now, although it was a really close fight. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it again down the road because I don't know how many people um, stick to the memory of Phil Davis, Ryan Bader in 
UFC. So even though it's two and zero, you know it's one and zero in the organization was super razor thin. So it's a and it's a, it's a it's a very stacked division two hundred five for Bellator. It's probably one of their their best divisions. Um, but I would be surprised if that's a a fight we get again down the road. So the two f- title fights started off they're just very underwhelming and. You know, then we are getting the the much-anticipated debut of Aaron Pico. And this guy, you know, he's getting full features on ESPN. He's on the cover of uh, – uh, or he's at the front page of ESPN's website yesterday. You know, I, I've heard him be described as MMA's LeBron, which seems ridiculous. I mean, he, he's 5'8", and LeBron is 6'8". But that is – I mean, these are the types of things that are being thrown around with Aaron Pico. And, you know, he's, he, he's predicting the first-round knockout, as you would assume that he would. And the Zach Freeman – and I listen, I'm not going to pretend I knew anything about him. A lot of people afterwards are like, oh, well, this guy was uh, uh, in, in for a, uh, a title shot in his last promotion. And blah, blah, blah. nobody knew Zach Freeman. If they say they know that they knew who Zach Freeman was before this night. They're lying to you. And it had it had a um, I want to say that it had a, a Seth Petrozelli Kimbo-esque feel to it. Like it was. Hype train derailed immediately. That was the kind of feeling you had because Aaron Pico ends up taking a monster uppercut, is put to the ground. Zach Freeman chokes him out, gets the win, goes real ham on the cheering, screaming at the camera like he was getting his in. And the Aaron Pico train, that is what I that is what I mean by a mixed martial arts being very unforgiving. This guy has it all set up for him. He has all the praise, all the accolades put out there for him. And we're at Madison Square Garden. It's your pro debut. He's 20 years old, and that happens. You know, you just that is that is why it is uh <laughs> that is that is why it is such an unforgiving sport. You know, you think you have everything figured out, you think you have the tailor-made guy. Supposedly a lot of people rejected this fight. People with names rejected this fight, and you have this low-key humble guy who's still doing office furniture sales still has a full-time job he's on a stage like he's never been before but you're on a stage like you've never been before even with your even with your amateur credentials it's a different beast it, it, it's a different it's a different kind of stage for you and a loss like that I thought took a lot of air out of Bellator because yeah you got the legends yeah, you got the title fights, but all the title fights were very, very underwhelming. And the legends are kind of just there to bring people in. You do need, with promotions, launching points. I've talked about this with UFC a lot this year, where UFC has dealt with a lot of lack of buzz coming out of their pay-per-views. You know, there, there hasn't really been guys using it as their next launching point. Max Holloway a little bit with his last win over Jose Aldo, but we know that there's there's still this weird cloud over 145 because it's a it's a stripped Conor division. You know these are these are all people that Conor McGregor has beaten, or and he is a a stripped champion. So it's been a bit hollow. And with Bellator yesterday, it wasn't that there weren't memorable things about it. There certainly were um, the double knockdown between Mitrione and Fedor and Mitrion finishing it very quickly. Nothing that you wouldn't expect. You would expect the heavyweights, the guys like Fedor and Mitrion, it's going to be a quick fight. So that was, a, that was a fine result, but the thing with it is Mitrion winning that fight against Fedor, and, and good for him. He's fantastic. You know, we, we had him on the station this week, and he was uh, as charismatic as he ever is and cut a really, really good promo afterwards where – you know he's uh, he's offering to take the warrior spot in the White House if they don't want to go to meet uh, Donald Trump. He's uh, he's he's plugging the the passing of the the heavyweight that just lost his life and is is plugging his GoFundMe page. Like he did a lot of cool things. I think Matt Mitrione did a lot of good for himself. Um, but you know he's not the first guy to beat Fedor. I know Fedor's got this you know five fight win streak, but. You know, we had the whole thing with Maldonado that went down that was sketchy, and it just, I don't know, the whole Fedor thing has, has lost a bit of its allure to me. Like, Chael Sonnen comes out, beats Vandalay Silva, and it's good to have Chael Sonnen back in the win column, and the thought was if Fedor won, 
will we have Chael versus Fedor? Would that be the way we go? And he still calls out Fedor. And I know in the post fight, he was trying to say, no, 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 that's me picking him up. But I don't know. To me, to me, the uh, the idea of fighting Fedor, it's just like, I don't know. Like, Chael versus Fedor, it just it doesn't do anything for me. Like, I, are we going to do the the American gangster versus versus Russia? Like, it's not like Fedor buys into that. Like, he's he's got the the uh, the old thick translator up there with him, and he's got, like, three words to say, everything. And so it's not like he's going to be out there like he's uh, Ivan Drago or, or, or Putin's lapdog. That's not Fedor's style. Even even if Chael can, can talk you uh, around circles that this is some kind of patriotic battle of the powers, I, I, I just am left a little bit flat after last night with Bellator. So it's not that last night was a bad card. It was all right. You know, 50 bucks this day for pay-per-view. It's not that bad, considering I'm going to pay probably over twice that for McGregor versus uh, Mayweather coming up next uh, in, in August. But I thought, I thought that Bellator came out of this not bigger than they were. You know, they, they pulled off, I think, a good event, and it went off with that hitch. It wasn't embarrassing, but, like, even you look at, like, the Michael Chandler, uh, Brett Premis fight. It's like that ends with, you know, Chandler having an ankle injury. He gets the damn stool. Like, Michael Chandler, I don't even, first of all, I don't even know why they stopped the fight the way they did. Because if they stop a fight the way they did, and they were mentioning this on the broadcast, like, the fight should be over. You know, he he ends up rolling his ankle. He can't put any damn weight on it. He's like, he's like a wounded baby deer. Hashtag Yelich. And... He, he, you know, he gets one shot in on premise, but he's, he is clearly just, he's out there. Like he, he's a wounded duck. It's, 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 it's going to end badly. And eventually the the ref calls a timeout to it, which you can't really do. There's no timeouts in mixed martial arts. Like we had this idea with, uh, with Vandalay and Travis Brown last summer and Travis Brown, like had something weird happen to his finger was finger broke. Bone was sticking out. It's disgusting. The ref calls timeout. You can't do that. Fight should be over. So, like, they're looking at Michael Chandler, and he's the doctor's looking at his ankle, and he's like, I can continue, I can continue. And so he stands up, and then somebody from the commission takes the stool, and he sits back down, no stool there. Boom, right on his ass. Like, it was, and I think that's what cost him the fight as far, like, I think they were going to let him continue. But he ends up sitting back down, Ends up on the, so nobody's kind of looking, and so you're like, all right, well, he can't stand, and the fight's over. So, and it's a bummer for premise. The thing is, you know, as fight fans watching, when people lose via leg injury, it is a tough thing when something happens to a lower body. Like, we never think about this if somebody's orbital bone cracks, uh, you know, like Kel Brook, Gennady Golovkin, or, or uh, when Mitrione's eye got all weird against uh, Travis Brown. We don't think... Ah, that, that, you know, if you impede somebody's sight because of a punch or, or even an eye gouge that, that wasn't seen, fight fans will accept it more as, all right, you lost the fight. You know, we could do it again, but you lost. And for some reason, whether it's uh, Tyron Woodley versus Carlos Condit, whether it's Anderson Silva losing his second fight to Chris Weidman, or whether it was last night, there's something really unfulfilling as fight fans watching a guy lose because his leg or his ankle doesn't work anymore. Like it feels fluky and premises up there trying to explain, no, 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 I'm practicing this. I'm injuring training partners, which kind of seems you know, dirty that he's, he's saying that he's injuring training, but nonetheless, he's injuring training partners with this low leg kick and that he caused that, you know, Tyler Woodley said this, you know, he would, he was drumming around, talking about i you know i was the one who injured carlos condit's knee and it's like yes but i guess it's because we can't see it i mean we saw anderson silva's but it's like anderson silva seems fluky and when you tear somebody's ligament it seems fluky and maybe because we can't see the bone break like it seems fluky and so it's just very unfulfilling as a fight fan to see that so i hope they do that again um i want to see that run back premise was uh 
I felt bad because he was getting booed by the fans. He shouldn't get booed. It's not his fault. Like his bone, he didn't he didn't set to uh, he didn't know that was going to end the fight. You know, he's even if he's going out, he's trying to impede. It's a fight, so he shouldn't boo. But you could tell even the way he was defending it, the way he won, that it's unfulfilling to him. So as far as last night was concerned for Bellator, it was I think. There were a lot of things that were unfulfilling about it. I thought the Aaron Pico loss was uh, was a big bummer for them just because I thought they have so much invested in the guy. You want people to come out of last night buzzing about Aaron Pico, not 33-year-old Zach Freeman. And it's not a shot at Zach Freeman. He's actually got a pretty cool personality. But if you're Bellator and you put all that investment in this guy and, and the knock on you is – yeah, Bellator, it's kind of like it's kind of like UFC old timers league, or Bellator. It's where guys who the UFC doesn't really want to invest in anymore. That's where they go to. So, I felt like they kind of needed their guy, and he got beat. And the same thing with Michael Chandler. You know, Michael Chandler is is, is kind of been their staple for the longest time. He's had epic fights with Eddie Alvarez. He's a staple champion for them. He's been there for the longest. So is Douglas Lima, but but. Michael Chandler losing the way he did, it's kind of a bummer. On that stage, he loses like that. And it's not – I don't want to take anything away from Brent Primus, but that's just the way it is. Like when you lose when, – when a fighter loses because of a, a, a lower extremity injury, it just doesn't have the same feel. Uh, and I don't think that's something that we can help as fans. It just is what it is. So that's your recap of Bellator NYC. You got UFC action tonight, another – I can't believe it's another issue with cut, uh, cutting weight for, for Johnny Hendricks. Plus, we have a lot of action to get to uh, regarding next week with Manny Pacquiao, Jeff Horn. We'll talk about that on the other side after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. So tonight you got UFC OKC. Mayo Chiesa against Kevin Lee is your main event. These guys got into it at the the big summer launch event where Kevin Lee made a Yo Mama joke at Chiesa, and Chiesa got legit upset. Legit upset at the Yo Mama joke. He really got goaded into that. I couldn't believe it. So these guys are uh, are headlining. But the co-main event is Tim Boach against Johnny Hendricks. And this came out yesterday. I, I was stunned by this. I mean, I guess I really shouldn't be stunned by it. But Johnny Hendricks missed weight again again and I don't know where you're gonna put Johnny Hendricks in I guess the pantheon of career fall-offs but I mean it's got to be up there I mean you're talking about a guy many people thought he beat George St. Pierre in George St. Pierre's last fight and then beat Robbie Lawler had two epic five-round fights with Robbie Lawler and you know was a reigning welterweight champion. I mean, this guy was was fantastic. You know, had a, had a rise with the H-bomb. Everybody everybody loved Johnny Hendricks. You know, just had a good personality, big rig. You know, we were really on the Johnny Hendricks train. And I mean, ever since losing that belt, he, he he's missed weight a couple times. He's had to he's had to miss a fight because of weight issues. It's just really, really disappointing to see that Johnny Hendricks has gone down this road. And the other thing is that you know, he just jumped up in weight class. Like the idea was that he couldn't make 170 anymore. It was too much of a struggle. His body just couldn't do it. You know, is it age? Some people go to the USADA thing. Is it a case where Johnny Hendricks doesn't have the same help that he used to? Wink, wink. But now we get to a point where he's up a weight class, and he's he's missing weight by 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 two three pounds, man. Not even close. And it's a bummer. Like this is this is a guy who you know he's 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 a gen. He, he seems like a genuinely good guy. Uh, always enjoy getting a chance to talk to him. Even though every time you do talk to him, like it, it turns out to like a, an episode of the Food Network. Like any Johnny Hendricks interview I've had, it's it's turned into his diet and he's revolutionized his diet and how he's making bland stuff taste good. And you know it's kind of why I stopped wanting to do interviews with him. But super nice guy. Super nice guy. Um. But to hear the news that he's missing at middleweight, I mean, 
I, I really like I, I don't know where he goes from here. You know, he's he's always going to have a name with the UFC because he was champ. But at this point, it's almost becoming a joke. And the thing you find disappointing about it is this guy, you know, he took such a bold stance against the media last time. And it's like, well, how about this? How about you guys? I'll take any media challenge. I believe he like threw down money on it. It was like, we'll see if any of you, the next time we meet, has lost 30 pounds. And it's just like, Johnny, you're missing the point, man. Whether you want to call out out-of-shape media members or not, they're paid there to write stories about you. You got you got two jobs, make weight and fight. And it seems like too often he's just like, all right, I'll throw the 20% or 30% down so I don't have to do it. I just, I, I, I mean, how can the science be that off with the guy? And... I don't know how much more the UFC can really tolerate it. Now, I imagine if he does get caught by the UFC, Bellator is going to scoop him up in a, in, a, in a second. But honestly, where does he go from here? Like, does he does he continue to does he continue to try middleweight? Like, at this point, you ask yourself, like, what, what is the home for this guy? Because even if he does go to Bellator, is he going to be a guy who just continues? to miss weight is he is he you know is he so hung up on is he trying to get cut like is he trying to get cut so he can go to bellator and get sponsorship money i really don't know like it's it's so puzzling to see where this guy's career has gone to go from champion in one of the toughest divisions out there welterweight it just i i can't believe that this is where we're at with this guy and you know texter writes in do you think it's not because he's not with Mike Jolce, it's like, I, I don't know. Like, I know that's been a thing with him where he didn't want to invest in the nutritionist, but the Mike Dolce thing, like, he's 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 flipped back and forth with that a bunch of times. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if this is a mental thing. I don't know if this is a he's just not invested anymore. Like he's kind of been to the mountaintop and the drive's not what it used to be. I don't know. I'm not in Johnny Hendricks's head, but I do know that. Man, it's just a tremendously bad look because, you know, that's your job as a fighter. Your job is to, you, you gotta, you, there's not many rules when it comes to mixed martial arts. But one of the rules is you're contractually obligated, obligated to show up in that weight class. And, you know, the fact that he doesn't, he, he's not doing it now in two different weight classes. I don't know. There's there's just something there's something wildly wrong going on there in the in the life of Johnny Hendricks, or or the career dedication or the planning. I just I can't I can't imagine a guy who has been to the the mountaintop of the sport like he was a, a headliner, a champion, a popular fighter. Now it's just like man, it's a roll of the dice if you think you're going to get him to be in a fair fight or not. That's 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 really the case. Like you don't know if he is going to do good by his opponent. And like, who would take a fight with Johnny Hendricks right now? Who, as 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 a as an opponent, why would you want to get stuck with that matchup, knowing that it's a that it's a it's a it's as at best a 50-50, maybe worse than that, that he's going to show up on weight. How? I mean, like that would frustrate me to no end if I was his opponent. And. Man, he could sit up there and point the blame at the media. All oh, let's see you guys make thirty pounds. Show me when I gotta make thirty pounds to write an article about you, bro. Like that's that's not the job. The job's there to cover you, and you keep making the story. You're not making weight. You know, don't 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 go and sit there and tell the media. Ah, well, let's see you do it, bro. No, that's not, that's not that's not a that's not a thing, man. You can't play that card. This isn't somebody questioning your strategy. This isn't a media member out there questioning your your uh, your abilities. This is just questioning your professionalism. And for for you to for you to sit there at press conferences last last year and be like, well, how about this? How about we see what media member here can lose thirty pounds? I'm like, 
I don't know, man. Well, I, I bet you, I bet you they'd try their asses off. If they were getting paid 80 million, 120, 80,000, 120,000. If that was their, their one payday every three months, and that's what they had to do. I know a lot of people just because uh, based on professionalism, they, they try, they try their damn just to do it. And it kind of feels like you're just thumbing your nose at it. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, 20%, whatever. I'm a former champ. Imagine, like, you know, Johnny Hendricks is in the good. At least that guy had a belt. He's got a name. He's making some good coin. So I guess he can afford throwing out the 20%. Man, a lot of guys that'd be crippling too. Disappointing. It really is, man. For a guy that that we, uh, you know, we were big fans of on the show and, and, and just had a, a real tremendous rise and had some epic fights. And, you know, a lot of people thought this guy beat GSP, man. George St. Pierre. Nobody beats GSP. That guy's that guy's one of the most unbeatable guys in UFC history, and, and I know he's got lost. I'm just talking about like as a mystery to solve. That guy made George St. Pierre look more human than anybody has in the last six years, and to go from that to this, super. And, and so like if he wins tonight against Tim Boach, even if he drops an H bomb on Tim Boach, knocks him out cold, so what? Okay, so is he supposed to move up in the rankings? Is he supposed to be rewarded for this? Man, it, it it's like how can you how can you get excited for any movement? Like, let's say Johnny Hendricks has the most thrilling next three performances. How in God's name could Dana White or Sean Shelby? How in God's name could they trust him to be in a title fight? And anybody. Say he say he goes on a four fight win streak. How how the hell could they trust him to go make weight for a main event fight? I I, I don't know how you could do that. I really don't. So super disappointing from from Johnny Hendricks to see that this past week that he missed weight again, man. But we'll be watching. We'll be watching UFC uh, OKC tonight. Kiesa versus Kevin Lee. I got Kevin Lee winning that fight. Um, Tim Boach, Johnny Hendricks. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I'm going to root for Tim Boach to win. I, I mean, flat out. Like, I really, I, I don't, because it, it, it would piss me off that a guy misses weight in a new division that he just joined and he gets to reap benefits of that. That would annoy me. So, and BJ Penn's fighting tonight, in case you didn't know. He's fighting Dennis Seaver. I got BJ Penn. I, I don't know why, but, you know, I feel feel weird picking him against I would feel weird picking against BJ Penn fighting Dennis Seaver but it's not the BJ Penn we used to know so we come back give some thoughts on Triple G versus Canelo and why I think it's uh it's having a big big problem with its promotion uh with the big roadblock that is McGregor versus Mayweather and what Oscar De La Hoya can really do about it we'll be back after this it's fighters fury on AM 790 the ticket Welcome back, Fighters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you. See me and Tommy Guns will be back next week. Next week, we've got Manny Pacquiao, Jeff Horn, live from Australia. And it's going to be on ESPN, which I which I approve of because, I mean, this pay-per-view, I mean, it is going to sink me these next couple months. In between this, you got UFC 213 coming up. You got, uh, you got of course, Mayweather McGregor, which who knows how much that's going to tell. I, I heard even a rumor it's going to be over 100. Like, it was going to be maybe, like, 120. Like, oh, my God. I mean, how much money? Like, you, you guys are already going to make so much. Like, you really got to bleed us drive an extra $20? Like, that's, all right. I guess take my money. Um, But this week, there was a lot of promotion going down for Canelo versus Triple G. And you had Oscar De La Hoya making the rounds on ESPN. He was in the car wash. And he was asked on SportsCenter about this fight. And he called it uh he called it what Dana White did with putting this fight a month before Oscar De La Hoya was disrespectful. It was disrespectful to put that fight around his fight. I mean, Oscar can move the fight. It's not it's not that crazy. If he wants to do something about it, move the fight further away. If if he finds it go, if it finds that it's going to be that big of a burden to him, move the fight. You know, I know that they want to do it because it's, uh, you know, Mexican Independence Weekend and 
that's kind of a staple for Canelo. But if Canelo and if this fight is as big as you think it will be, and I think they said that they thought it would do three million pay per view buys. If you think a fight is going to do that kind of business, it really shouldn't matter what date it is. You shouldn't need a gimmick. You shouldn't need it to be on Cinco de Mayo weekend or Mexican Independence weekend. If it's that big a fight, it shouldn't matter what date what date it is. Now, I don't deny that the fight is going to lose a little bit of business because it is so close to Triple G versus to uh to Mayweather versus McGregor. But I will say this, on its own merit, let's just talk about Triple G versus Canelo. And I know a lot of boxing fans are super excited for it. And, you know, we're probably going to go out and, and cover it in Vegas. And I'm excited for it. I'm not going to say that uh, it's not a good fight. It is a good fight. But to act like Canelo versus Triple G is in the same stratosphere as what Pacquiao Mayweather was. Or even on merit is really what Kovalev Ward was as far as two of the best pound for pound. In my eyes, Triple G, he lost his last fight to Daniel Jacobs. I thought Daniel Jacobs won that fight. And the other issue with Canelo is, though he's had a great resurgence, and he's won seven fights since losing to Floyd Mayweather, and he's a tremendous fighter, the idea that you're going to put that guy a month after, really three weeks after, Mayweather fighting. After Mayweather is a guy, it was one of the most sound beatings Mayweather's put on anybody. Really in his last six fights. His Canelo win, one of the most shining wins you could put up in his career. You know, really took a guy who's a dangerous fighter, young, probably just before he was entering his prime, but still a guy with, at that point, 43 fights when he stepped into the ring with with Floyd Mayweather. So it's not like he was a baby. And just just beat him so soundly. And I do think that that does take away a little bit from what the, with with the excitement of this fight. Yes, he's he's still tremendous. And the fact that he and Triple G are finally getting it on is great. But I don't think you're getting Triple G at peak power. You know, he's talking this week about retirement. This could be his last fight. You know, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to, you don't want people knowing, hey, by the way, Triple G, he's really 35. He's really old. And he almost got beat by not beat, but he was put in danger by a guy two weight classes lower than him. And the last fight against Daniel Jacobs, a lot of people thought he lost. I thought he lost. And so you wonder. How good a fighter in Triple G are we getting? Does it mean he still can't beat Canelo? No, of course he can. But to act like this fight should be the end-all, be-all, that this fight's going to be in the same stratosphere as some of the other fights, I think is a bit much. I think Oscar has really overshot how big he thinks this fight's going to be. The other thing I think is troubling for them is because they have to go on almost this anti-war against... Mayweather versus McGregor. I also think that's going to turn a lot of people off. The idea that you got to put negative publicity up against another event. You know, this was this was a a big theme when we were in Vegas with Sergey Kovalev, uh, with uh, against Andre Ward. They were calling it a circus. This is demeaning. It's just like, guys, the people want what they want. That's it. You guys got to kind of deal with that. You can't sell the fan because a lot of the fans that you're insulting are your same fans. That's it. Yeah, maybe there are they, there are the purest of the pure boxing fans that don't want to be bothered with Mayweather McGregor. But I tell you what, the 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 minority that those people are is so much smaller than the fans that like both sports or the fans that buy everything or the fans that will tune in for any big fight and you're calling them dummies. And I think that's really, really stupid on their part to insult the to, to insult the 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 fight fan base like that. Hey, a lot of people want to watch this. Whether you want to see the trash talk, whether you want to see the circus, whether you want to see the what if, whether you want to see if McGregor will melt down, a lot of people want to see McGregor get his ass kicked. How about that? There's you know there's a ton of boxing fans that just want to see the MMA guy get his ass kicked. There's a lot of MMA guys that want to see hey. 
Let's see if our guy can do it. And for you to, and, and a lot of those same people would be the same people that buy Triple G versus Canelo. And you're calling them all idiots. And I, I just don't think that's a prudent sales, sales pitch to them. Hey, what, you, what that is, that's just go on your own merit. This fight is great. You know, this, this, the, the, these are two guys. They're, uh, the, you know, they're, they're, they're still, you know, in their prime, and they're going to get it on. You know, what are we, what are we all supposed to give you a standing ovation? Thank you for giving us something competitive in boxing. Really appreciate it, Oscar. Thank you. Thank you that you're not making it a legacy fight against Julio Cesar Chavez. It's not some gimmick Mexico versus Mexico fight. Thank you. Like. You know, boxing promoters are all—they're all sitting here like we're supposed to applaud them because they actually made a fight we want to see. You guys should be doing that all the time, all the time. I mean, the 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 kind of accolades promoters want for getting something to get for doing your job. Yeah, thank you, thank you for finally making a fight we want to see. Great, good on you. Thank you, thank you for not making it against James Kirkland. Thank you, thank you, Oscar. Thank you for not making it, uh, uh, Alfredo Angulo. Thank you. Like, you know, good. You did your job, man. But don't act like this fight is the greatest thing that's ever happened to boxing. It's not. Don't act like these two guys are, you know, the the absolute end-all, be-all of boxing. They're not. You know, he has Canelo Alvarez, who is right now the biggest pay-per-view draw there is. But the only guy who outdoes him is Floyd Mayweather. And I'll tell you one thing. Let's say Floyd Mayweather is fighting. Let's say it was Errol Spence. Let's just say Floyd Mayweather is going to fight Errol Spence a month before Canelo versus Triple G. Floyd Mayweather's comeback fight may match Triple G versus Canelo. I think it could. He's a bigger draw than Canelo is. That's just what it is. Like this idea that it's going to do 3 million buys, I think that's crazy. I think it's crazy. Triple G's never done 200,000 buys on pay-per-view in his in his in his boxing career. They just he's 35 years old. He's been on pay-per-view twice. And and Canelo, yeah, if you put him a, a, on a Cinco de Mayo weekend and and you and you you spice it up by giving him a, a legacy fighter. All right, maybe it'll do a good draw. You know. But if you put Floyd in those same circumstances, he's doing He's doing uh, probably one and a half million to year just under one. So I just think it's I, I, I think it's a weird strategy that De La Hoya is going with. With ah, it's disrespectful. It's not disrespectful. It's business. It's what it is. You know, these guys want to get it on. Is it petty that they put it on there? Yeah. But you want to know something? How much more Mayweather McGregor could we take? Like if we were to find out that the fight was still getting put together and still getting put together, still, you got to remember. We are just coming off the overhype of Pacquiao Mayweather. It's still not that it's it's still not that fresh out of people's minds. That was five years that we had this put together, and that was two two all time boxers. The fact that you're gonna you're gonna oversell us on a gimmick fight for a year and a half, two years, no people people will get turned off by that. They will, and this idea that you know Oscar De La Hoya and and all the, the pure boxing fans and all the purest writers. That they, you know, I see ESPN this week, a freak show. It's like, don't cover it. If, if it's that much of a freak show, if it, if it offends you to your core, because I got I to tell you, a lot of your readers, they're going to buy that fight. A lot of them are. They can't wait. They can't wait to watch it. But, man, this uh, this idea that Triple G Canelo, oh, my God. The three million buys. What do you? What do you? Three million buys for Canelo Alvarez against Triple G, and it's like, you know, I'm looking at these two guys, and it's just like, yeah, they're, they're, they're fun fighters. I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's gonna be a terrible fight. It's gonna be, it's probably gonna be a great fight. But let's not forget that Gennady Golovkin does not look great in his last couple fights, and not only that. A lot of people thought he lost his last fight, including me. Thought he lost to Daniel Jacobs. And Canelo, all right. He's been he's he's rebounded nicely off the loss to Floyd. But Floyd's fighting a month before him. And a lot of people remember Floyd kicking his ass. 
And so it's not just that that fight's happening. It's just that you got to remember that, all right, this is the best boxing can do in the post-Floyd era for a pay-per-view buy. And that's just what it is. Even if you gave this three months separation from Mayweather-McGregor, it's not going to do the business Oscar thinks it's going to do. It's not. Now, if these guys have an epic fight, and it's an all-timer, and it's really close, or these guys are, are, are blood and guts, and, and, and somebody ends up getting finished, if it's an all-time classic, and it, and it can turn and it warrants a rematch, yeah, then you're talking, hey, what, what will the next fight do? For sure. But to think to just these two guys, Oscar's up there this week, and it's like, He's, he's up on, they're doing a first take, and I found it very strange. Like, they're doing first take, and he's got Canelo there, and he's got Gennetti there. It's like Oscar's translating for, for Canelo. And that's, you know, it, it doesn't mean that Canelo can't be a success because he doesn't speak English, but don't act like he's going to be the same success when you got McGregor and Mayweather and you get a couple microphones in their face. It's, it's just, it's night and day. It's going to be hugely different. Hugely different. So I just thought that was interesting. Coming off Vegas and the atmosphere that there was with the uh with with the the boxing community really railing against this. And you know, a lot of it is 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 not a lot of boxing's problems right now have nothing to do with what this fight is with Canel with uh with McGregor and Mayweather. There's nothing to do with it. It's problems in promotion, it's problems that now guys are finally fighting each other because they really don't have any choice because the paychecks are getting smaller. And they all all these promoters are looking for somebody else to blame. And they're blaming a, a gimmick fight. They're trying to get that narrative out there. There's nothing to do with that. The problem started long before that with gimmick fights and super fights and crossover fights. You're protecting your guys. You wanted this fight to be a peak? Should have had Gennady at the peak of his powers fighting Canelo Alvarez. When people were really buzzing about Triple G, three fights ago, should have had him fight Canelo. Then you could talk, ah, three million buys, definitely. His 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 image is is not what it was. And maybe that'll change in the lead up to the fight, but I can tell you right now, Triple G is not what he was a couple years ago. Not in the invincibility factor, not in the sell factor, not in the the destroyer factor. Like a lot of those things have taken a hit for him. And as far as Canelo, yeah, he's got some, he's got a nice win streak, but there's a lot of guys he should beat on that list. Let's not also forget that he he probably lost to Arizlandi Lara in the midst of that time, too. These are not guys at the stature of where Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao were when they fought. And Oscar's trying to put all the blame on a freak fight. And really, there's flaws in the fight that he has. That's just the way it is. Greg Likens, coming up next. Thanks you for listening. We'll talk to you guys same time, same place next week on Fudders Fury. All right, guys. Uh, like I said, we were going to do a little bit of a bonus segment, talk uh, some Kovalev Ward as it was in Vegas for that fight. And, um, you know, we taped last week's episode. I wanted to give you guys some new content and wasn't able to get you Ward versus Kovalev. So... Uh, here's my thoughts on it. So I thought, I, 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 watching it, I thought Andre Ward was actually really handling himself well in the fight. That's just the the, the view from the building. Give you guys a uh, an imagination where I was. I was um, top of the first lower bowl, so probably about I was off the floor in the in the stands, probably about uh, fifteen rows up, watching the fight. And yeah, my feeling of it was I thought I thought Kovalev had that one weapon, thought it was the jab, as many of you saw. Um, but I thought that I thought Ward was taking that weapon away pretty effectively and was doing a lot of good damage to Kovalev's body. Kovalev looked, you know, I don't know if it's overtrained is the way it was. There was certainly a lot of weirdness going on with you know between his trainer claiming that he didn't try and jump ship and Ward seems saying that he did. There's clearly, oh, there's clearly an issue with the way Kovalev prepared for this fight. Ward looked better. Ward looked better adjusted, and I, I, I thought that I thought that he was going to end up finishing Sergey Kovalev, whether or not it was with the low blows or not. Now, 
let's get to the low blow. There were low blows. This this is not up for debate. Whether you think uh, whether you want to say a couple of them were borderline, there were low blows. <clears throat> but let's say they were clean. Let, let's just say they were clean body shots. I don't understand why Tony Weeks stopped the fight. That one was weird to me. Whether you want to say, ah, there were legal shots, A, was looking for a way out, fine. I'll grant you maybe he was looking for a way out. Maybe he was looking at the ref too much. Either way, I felt like Ward deserved a count. He didn't even get a count. That's super rare. Nobody just stops a fight. It's it, it to, to 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 go from never gets knocked down to never even gets a count. That's just super odd to me. It just doesn't happen in boxing. So that was my big issue with it. It wasn't so much a case of were the were the were they low, were they not low? They were close. I can tell you from where I was sitting, I couldn't tell um, because I was so high up and and they looked pretty good and it looked like Ward was going to finish them off. But I, I remember in the heat of the moment thinking, that's weird that they didn't give him a count. Like nobody just stops unless unless he unless war uh, unless Kovalev said something to Tony Weeks. So I thought that was odd. Uh, there was a lot of protest afterwards from Kathy Duva and uh, and and Kovalev's scary ass. That guy's so scary. That manager he goes, we hate America and we will go and protest and we will we will kill you. He didn't say that. That's not a quote, but. He was super scary. It was a fun week in Vegas, man. Uh, like I told you guys during the show today, a lot of animosity towards uh, the McGregor Mayweather fight that's being made. Um, but I, a lot of that's just sour grapes. They just don't have the business. You know, the thing with with Kovalev versus Ward is, you know, it was in the small Mandalay Bay. The arena was pretty dead. I mean, the card was flying by. I mean, the uh, the Chucky Flores. Guillermo Rigondeaux. Here's another one. The thing that things that 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 shook me live. Um, I didn't notice how much it looked like Flores was faking it because of what happened. Like when it happened in the arena, I immediately thought Rigondeaux cheated on that shot. Now I didn't notice in the the midst of it they both were throwing shots, but I definitely knew that Rigondeaux threw an illegal punch. And they were fighting dirty, and it was getting really personal afterwards. Um, but the funny thing was, man, so the referee, like, turns around. He's, like, he's reprimanding Rigandau, who just put a shot on Chucky Flores. And I keep calling him Chucky. I know it's Chucky, but, like, we were in the, we were in with a bunch of uh, Mexican fans who were like, Chucky! Um, but nonetheless, I... So, like, live, yeah, I was like, oh, that was totally a legal shot. But I thought, he, like, he knocked him out cold. I didn't notice the shenanigans afterwards where, like, it looked like Flores faked the knockdown. Like, he was trying to earn a way out. So, it makes me feel less bad for him that he was trying to win that way. Like, I don't know. It's uh, It was dirty to me. But I will say this. Like, the Nevada State Athletic Commission screwed the pooch when it came to that fight. And... You guys should have seen how it was going down in the arena because they had the referee and they had him like down talking to Bob Bennett and he's trying to explain what he saw. And the ref didn't see anything. I mean, the truth of it is he was looking at Rigandau. He was trying to reprimand him. Rigandau delivered the shot. He turned around and thought the guy got knocked out. He didn't see when the shot got hit. He didn't even see if the guy got knocked out. He completely wasn't looking. And the problem is you don't have instant replay. Like this drives me crazy. And this happened yesterday with Bellator. With uh, the Michael Chandler thing. It's like, ah, oh, the referees are like, oh, we should just do what's fair here. And we should stop the fight. His, he's, got a, he's got an owie on his foot. And nah, that's not really what you're supposed to do. If, if, if you deem as a referee he can't go, he can't go. Um, if it's something legal. Like if he got poked or if he got hit in, if he got hit in the balls, that's one thing. But no, his, his, his ankle doesn't work. It's not like anything you could do anything illegal to make his ankle work, not work. Um, and same thing here. So like the referee is doing a bunch of explanations and then we see Bob Bennett go to Jim Lampley and he's talking to him he's like, Oh, I wonder what's going on there. And apparently I'm like reading Twitter as this is going on, had that good, uh, boxing media wireless. So I'm like following this all in real time. And Bob Bennett apparently is saying the, the, the punch unequivocally came before the bell and everybody's like, what? 
And apparently he didn't even hear it. Like he was just holding the truck. So like we're seeing it's still all chaos being uh, determined and, and, and figured out. Then he gets brought back on HBO and they're reprimanding him. Apparently Lampley lit into him for telling him a falsehood. And it turns out Bobby didn't even see it. Like he's just going off of what somebody sees in a truck. But anyway, it was a cool scene. It was it was fun being out there. I think we're going to be out there for Triple G Canelo, um, which I went pretty hard on today. But I just think, you know, I don't want to be told as a fan what to like and not like, you know. I, for the most part, will watch anything. You know, I was I was there yesterday at Warriors Boxing a little bit. Uh, shout out to Daya Davis, who I saw. He was supporting his boy. I think Daya's fighting in uh, July uh, in Coconut Creek, so I'll for sure be out there to see our boy Daya Davis uh, get down back in the ring. But, you know, I'll watch anything. I'll watch local guys. I'll watch... I'll watch uh, Pacquiao Horn next week. I think Pacquiao's going to win. And, you know, I'll watch Triple G and Co- and, and Canelo. I'll watch Kovalev versus Ward. And I'll watch M- Mayweather McGregor. I'll watch Dada versus Kimbo. I got time for it all, man. I don't have to. I'm not a better fan or a worse fan for watching any of it. So the fact that uh, promoters want to make you feel that way bothers me. It bothers me that they make you feel like less of a boxing fan because I want to see Floyd Mayweather fight Conor McGregor, or they make me feel like less of a mixed martial artist fan because I want to see Conor McGregor fight Floyd Mayweather. You guys, I'm the best fan. I'll, I'll get, I'll buy everything. I bought Bellator last night. I'll buy UFC 213. I'll buy McGregor versus Mayweather. I'll buy UFC 214. I'll buy uh, Triple G versus Canelo. And if I'm not buying it, I'll go to a bar to watch it. My commerce will be felt. So. Those are all my thoughts, guys, uh, on Vegas. And sorry, I missed you guys last week, so I want to give you guys a little bit of extra time. Um, so, yeah, and enjoy- hope you enjoyed the podcast. We will talk to you guys next week. We'll react to Pacquiao versus Jeff Horn, the uh, my favorite fighter, man, Manny Pacquiao. Love Manny Pacquiao. Always my favorite fighter to watch. Love him. Love him. He's gotten on some. Uh, he's not not the star he used to be since the loss to Floyd Mayweather, but even still. Still got love for Manny Pacquiao. Um, so that's what's going on, guys. Anyway, I got, I've been rambling. I'm going to get the hell out of here. Fighters Fury back, same time, same place next week. Sunday is 10 a.m. on 7 I of the ticket. But, of course, if you're listening on the podcast, I imagine you usually listen to us on delay. So you guys can get our, uh, your next episode next week. Love you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.